Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I am joined by Porfirio Rangel. Porfirio, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, Henry. Happy to be here. Good, good. I'm also joined by Christian Diadamo. Christian, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Henry, and it's a, it's a very nice day in the Bay Area today. It is indeed. We are also joined by Rainier. Rainier, how goes? I am waiting for my COVID vaccine and fighting seasonal allergies. <laughs> fighting the fight. Fighting the good fight. Right on. All right. So today we're going to deep dive into Zack Snyder's Justice League, the long-awaited Snyder cut. Yeah. Uh, but first... The Justice League movie wasn't the only big comic book release last week, right? We also saw the premiere of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, so we will most certainly do a full episode season recap uh, for this show, but uh, we all caught the first episode. It might be kind of fun to get just some non-spoilery initial takes. What did you guys think of episode one here? I, it was everything I expected it to be. <laughs> it was very marvelly. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought, I, thought it was, I thought it was really good. Um, it's exactly what I, I was going to expect for uh, Falcon and uh, Winter Soldier team up. Yeah, it's funny you say it was very marvelly. Um, interestingly, I think we can all agree that WandaVision did not feel very marvelly, right? It felt like the a contrast. big harsher, yeah. yeah. Um, so I agree that this show really felt like the MCU we know and love, right? It was like familiar territory, you know, very much so, right? Yeah, I remember after watching Civil War, I, the, I, the first comments were like, man, wouldn't that be great to see like a buddy cop film with like Falcon and Winter Soldier? And here we go. Someone was listening, obviously. Yeah. Uh, what about you guys, Christian Perferio? Um Yeah, I definitely agree with you guys. It does feel very marvelly, which is, which is pretty nice. Um, I know this might sound like a little too on the nose, but I was thinking like, man, this sounds like a really like... This reminds me a lot of Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And I definitely mean that in the best way possible because I love that movie. I love the way it did like the combat. And it's really cool to see uh, what they do with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, I think they got great beginnings. So I can't wait for more. What about you, Perferio? I mean, yeah, it was basically everything you guys are saying. It very felt definitely felt very marvelly. There was like the whole blockbuster action scenes and I I liked how it taught, it kind of gave like Falcon and Bucky kind of like their own little story instead of being a side character, but it was it was cool. I'm excited to see how the show evolves. A short season too, right? It's like six episodes, I think. Yep. Mm -hmm. Six ups. And um, yeah, you guys probably know that I voiced some concerns previously 
you know, after watching WandaVision, I was wondering, like, okay, is the Disney Plus slate going to continue to be this sort of slow burn type entertainment or, or what, right? And um, I, was, I was a little concerned because with this show, I felt like it wouldn't have been right if they had a slow start. And uh, yeah, they came out of the gate swinging here. And man, like after about, you know, 10 minutes into the show, I was, I was applauding. <laughs> I watched this show by myself, like around midnight Thursday night last week. And uh, I was applauding by myself in the dark. <laughs> I was wasn't, so happy. Uh, I wasn't too worried about a slow burn. I figure with six episodes, they're going to have to come out with a bang in each yeah. episode, unless we were getting a couple like two hour episodes here and there, which I, I'm not sure is happening. Yeah. Yeah. No, my thought too, my thought too. Um, but I was, uh, I thought I might be setting myself up for disappointment. So it was just really satisfying to see, uh, you know, something that, that was really what I was looking for. You know, um, I got to tell you guys, man, like it's been, a pretty rough 12 months, you know, um, for a lot of people, myself included. And uh, in life, really, do you get exactly what you want? Last week at midnight on Disney Plus, I got exactly what I wanted. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a happy kid. All right. I'll, I'll leave it at that. All right. It was a long night last week. Yeah. <laughs> for me, for me, or for us, for all of us. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into that. You know, the, the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier discussion flows nicely into the Snyder Cut discussion because it was kind of overlapping release dates, right? Uh, the Snyder Cut released the day before Falcon and Winter Soldier, but the Snyder Cut is so long. I think the experience for a lot of people, myself definitely included, uh, was kind of mixed together. Like I watched the first half of the Snyder Cut and then I watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier and then I watched the rest of the Snyder Cut. So, um, yeah. Um, we're going to kick it over to Christian to lead the discussion from here. Christian, take it away. All right. Thank you, Henry. So I think before we start talking about the Snyder Cut, um, I kind of want to go over uh, a little bit of history with the movie, because the Justice League, uh, as a movie, has had well quite quite a history behind the scenes. So um, it starts after Batman v right after Batman v Superman, of course, um, and Zack Snyder filmed these movies pretty much back to back: Batman v Superman and Justice League. Are we and calling course, out we're calling out spoilers, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll call out spoilers immediately. For both um, the Whedon cut and the Snyder cut, Uh, thank you for that heads up because I usually spoil things and forget. (laughs) Spoiler alert! um, uh, These movies were pretty much filmed back to back, and of course, both movies Zack Snyder filmed these like pretty much four-hour behemoths. Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition was a pretty much three and a half-hour movie, and so. Uh, the critical response of Batman v Superman was definitely pretty mixed, of course, um, although it did it did succeed uh, financially. But uh, it really wasn't where the studio wanted it. 
of course. So Zack Snyder films this four-hour movie, writes a four-hour script for Justice League of how he wants to tell it. and But uh, very sadly, after filming it and during post-production, his daughter, Autumn, um, very tragically died. And so because of that tragedy, Zack Snyder had to step away from the production before it was finished. And so um, the studio brought in Joss Whedon, the director of Marvel's Avengers. And so he was he was going to finish the movie. And I think the idea at first was just to finish the post-production and put the movie out. But the thing is, and of course, I'm throwing a little bit of speculate my own speculation in here. Um this four-hour behemoth of a movie uh, coming off of the more controversial heels of Batman v Superman, the studio definitely the studio saw this and didn't really know what to make of it. And I think, and they were definitely weary about putting something like this out. And so Joss Whedon reshot um, pretty much the whole movie um, minus, uh, you know, a few key scenes that we did see in the Snyder Cut. Uh, changed and, of course, made several changes to the script and to kind of condense it as well as bring a lot more kind of levity and jokes in, into it and make it feel, I guess you could say, more like a Marvel movie. And so the movie was two hours. They cut it down, you know, two, two hours, pretty much right on the dot. And so the movie releases... Um, the reception was also very controversial, probably, a, probably more so than Batman v Superman. But over time, um, many of the fans after this film released in 2017 asked for the Justice League. There was a hashtag, there was a big movement saying release the Snyder Cut. Fans of BBS and Zack Snyder really wanted to see this version of the movie. And so eventually, you know, fast forward... Um, as this movie gets more and more traction over time, I would also say this is kind of right at the beginning of the pandemic. So I think the 2020 pandemic has something to do with this. But right around last year, um, Zack Snyder and Warner Brothers stated that they were going to actually fully release the Snyder Cut and put it on HBO Max. And Zack Snyder said that he was going to finish post-production, maybe film one or two extra scenes to kind of fill everything out and put out his director's cut as he originally envisioned. And so um, before we start talking about that Snyder Cut, let's talk about how we felt about the Joss Whedon Justice League, the Justice League, as I've also heard. So what did you guys think about the, about the Justice League? I never thought of calling it the Justice League. That's good. <laughs> I like that. I mean, my initial take of the Justice League, you know, I remember when it was announced that Whedon was going to take over the project for Snyder. At that time, I think where Whedon was with his career, I mean, I don't know if the level of controversy that's surrounding him now was there then. I know there was some, but I think most people thought if there's anyone that could take over the reins of justice league, it would be him considering he tackled the Avengers. So I think it was yeah. I think a lot of people felt like it was a win. I certainly did thinking, cool. We're going to get, we're going to get some elements of what he did with the Avengers in justice league. Cool. And when I saw the movie, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I was like, Hey, this is, this is cool. Um, it has all the elements 
I would have liked to have seen, some things I, I wouldn't have liked to have seen. But of course, we're also benchmarking it against the Avengers, which is kind of night and day. <laughs> but at the time when I originally watched it, I enjoyed it. Comparing it to where we are now, I, I mean, I know we're going to go into that discussion, but that's the crazy thing. Like watching the Snyder Cut, we have the luxury of going into this movie with notes. <laughs> we don't ever do that with superhero movies. What we get is what we get, and we don't get upset, <laughs> right? Like, so yeah. this is a really unique experience. Like, we have insight, and it's just like you're immediately seeing the stark difference between one person's vision and another. That's really a great point, Rainier, because, yeah, I mean, I know we're not talking about the Snyder Cut yet, but that was a, a, a big part of the experience for me, just kind of comparing it to the previous version. Very interesting, you know? Um, yeah, it was it was definitely part of the fun, you know, just watching for those little differences. Um, but yeah, going back to, to Whedon's version, um, yeah, I wasn't a fan of that one. Um, I will say this, though, that I kind of liked the little fun elements that Whedon added to it. Like, um, I, I, I enjoyed the 2017 Justice League movie more than I enjoyed BVS. And the reason was I felt that BVS was just too grim, too dark, too bleak of a movie. And, um, you know, with, with the Whedon Justice League... Um, kind of like what you're saying, Christian, there were efforts in lighting, lightening it up, right? Making it more like a Marvel movie, right? Um, and like, I kind of like those little fun things like the the Superman versus Flash race at the very end, you know, um, th those little fun moments I, I kind of liked. Um, overall, um, I didn't really like it. And um, my complaints were a lot of people's complaints and that was it was this kind of a, a Frankenstein's monster of a movie right it was it didn't it, it didn't feel like uh, you know it had any kind of stable direction it was like one movie at one moment and then a totally different type of movie in another and it really did feel like it was directed by Joss Whedon and Zack Snyder which it was right uh, so it's kind of this big mess right uh, so uh, that that's where I that's that's where I was when I when I entered the Snyder Cut, right? I, I, there's this movie that I didn't like, but I like you know I, I like to some degree, um, but I felt was just kind of this disjointed mess. I feel like we walked away being able to pinpoint, yeah, that's what Whedon did. Yeah, that's what Whedon did, <laughs> yeah. and that just stuck out so much. Yeah, it did so stick out. What did you think? What did you think, Porfirio, of the uh, the Justice League? Because we actually saw it in the theater together it back did. in 2017. Um, yeah, at the time, I mean, like basically, what er all you guys have said, like, like if there's anyone who's going to take up a superhero film and make it great, it would have been Josh Whedon at the time. You know, he directed Avengers one and two, and those were huge milestones for superhero movies. Um, so I was pretty excited to see the Josh Whedon version. And then watching the movie, it was 
good. I wouldn't say I loved it or would say I liked it, but I could tell it was just like what you said, Henry. It was just like a movie that felt like I should like this should have been like two or three movies made beforehand to understand what was going on. Like there were just so many scenes I was just so confused about, like about the whole parademons. Why were they there? And um like I could sense that they were picking up from BVS, but knowing that like they're making like Wonder Woman and Flash and Cyborg and stuff, it just felt like they should have made those movies first before having made Justice League, and it just felt really rushed. Um, but yeah, at the end, I was just kind of like, "Oh, this is not that cool." I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of it when it came after I watched it. I was like, uh, yeah, I agree with you on that. Preferio, like the, the, I feel like the luxury that Avengers had was that it, it had legs to stand on with like Thor mm-hmm. and Iron Man. Whereas like, you know, we had Batman versus Superman and then we had justice league. Like we didn't really have time. There was not a lot of runway to like get to know these guys. It's just like, they were kind of just thrown into our laps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember our theater experience of watching this movie and like it, it was it was kind of deflating like I'm going I'm the you know I grew up watching the Justice League cartoon and I was like man I re- okay I really want this movie to do good like I was like really rooting for this movie because of like pretty much all the backstory that we'd heard up until that point and like we saw it like I think second weekend and it was like the theater was like almost empty um it was like 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 I said, like kind of deflating because you go to these like big Avengers movies and people are cheering, everyone's having a great time, and like, um, yeah, there there was like barely any, anyone in the theater, and like the movie was like, it was like I I thought it was all right. I did enjoy some parts, but I did think the movie was like kind of awkward and messy, to say the least. That's the thing. I think the direction they were taking was like, they didn't, I feel like at that point, like origin movies were being done to death. And I feel like the direction they probably want to take was like, Hey, let's, let's put the origins part aside. Let's just dive right into the story. I think maybe that's the direction they wanted to take. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And you could definitely see, I guess, some of that in the Snyder cut. Um so I guess before, do you guys have anything else you want to say about this version specifically before we get into the Snyder Cut, the re- the real meat? I mean, kind of going off what Rainier was saying, like, because I think Wonder Woman came out before Justice League, right? That's right. Hey, that's true. It did. Yeah. Yeah. So it, like, I could kind of sense like how Wonder Woman was connected to Justice League, not the big picture, but, like, small things. And then, like, watching, um, or at least now, understanding, like, how Aquaman comes after Justice League. Like, I didn't see the connection. Like, there are just so many, like, loose ends I didn't get that I was just like, okay, I don't get how this connects to this movie, this connects to this movie. And I think just... The only one I, I can understand connected was like BVS. I think obviously because it was a Snyder um, 
originated film franchise but like the other DC films I was just like I don't understand how these characters exist in this other in their own solo film that's connected to Justice League I feel like that's like the MCU effect like we have to find these connections. Um, I mean, Marvel did such a fantastic job of it. I think that it's like, it almost trained us in a way to, if we're watching a superhero film where you know there's gonna be a shared universe, like we have to try to find those connections. And I, 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 I surely hope that's not like the benchmark for all superhero movies. Like. <laughs> Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, I, I think if, if I'm tying it to continuity, I feel like it can be a, a bad thing because then it, it can really constrict like the storytelling process. But if, if you're not tying it too harshly to continuity, I feel like it opens up the door more for, you know, a bit more creative storytelling, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the, the MCU effect was was like a big thing for a while, right? Every movie studio is trying to get on, get in on this like shared universe. universe Dude, idea. have you heard have you heard of like Lifetime movies, like and ha- like those Hallmark <laughs> movies? Apparently, oh, really? they're like constructing their own shared universe. <laughs> what? Yeah, I've heard of that? Yeah, I think Bridgerton does that. <laughs> yeah, it's wild, and That's like heard. It, it can be kind of the kiss of death, right? Because it's so hard to pull off, right? So. Um, it can be a bad way to go. Um, one quick thing before we go into the Snyder Cut. I think it's pretty cool that Christian, you, and Perfirio saw Justice League in the movies together, at the movies together, because Rainier and I oh, that's right. went to see Justice League in the movies. <laughs> we did together. go to see it together at so, AMC over in Newark. What's up? Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's perfect <laughs> that the four of us are here together to talk some Snyder Cut. Oh, we've assembled. United. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> Where the seven has united. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Oh, I guess we're now the super friends. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Well, uh, let's get into the Snyder Cut then. So, um, watching the Snyder Cut, um, why don't, why don't everyone just give, I guess, like just quick general thoughts as well as... Um, kind of how you watched it because this like i said this is a four-hour epic of a movie um which was cut into like six distinct parts uh with the epilogue so was this something you watched all all at once could you all watch it all at once and um just generally did you like it did you not were there some things you liked or didn't so so i watched yeah the Snyder Cut for me, that was the first thing I saw. I didn't even eat breakfast yet. I just woke up, grabbed my laptop, and I was like, okay, play. <laughs> I was very excited for a Snyder Cut. I mean, like, I, I probably said, like, a few times in the in the podcast, that, like, the marketing for it, like, the hype was, like, A-plus material. Like, from when they first announced it to the trailers they are releasing and stuff like that, like, I was hyped for it. And, um, yeah, so that was the first thing I did. I watched it. I really enjoyed it. I I think I enjoyed it mainly on like a artistic kind of experience because like, you know, we just finished One Division. So I was just like, you know, we, we talked about this about like um, long-term versus short-term storytelling. 
And that's what I appreciate about One Division. I think this is what I appreciate a lot about Justice League, the center cut, that like it told a story, it left a lot of room for breathing to tell characters' stories, and there's still some great action scenes, and I just felt very satisfied with what I was given that I even watched again later that night with Henry and Christian. <laughs> so how many times have you seen it total now? I mean, that was the last time I watched it. So one and a half. Okay, cool. Oh, I've seen it one and a half times also. Nice. <laughs> so I watched it. Uh, so our original plan was to, my wife and I were going to watch, we were going to get the kids to bed early and then we were going to just rage all night on Justice League. <laughs> But that didn't quite happen. I think we got really excited to watch it. So we're like, okay, let's just start it now. And then we had to put the kids to bed. And then, so we watched the first two hours, put the kids to bed, and then we got Justice League after dark, <laughs> basically. Um, yeah, but we uh, we watched it in pretty much one sitting. And then we watched it again and got halfway through it um, just recently, actually. I loved it, by the way. It was like the fastest four hours I feel like I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, too. Like, I feel like when people see the four-hour mark in there and they're like, oh, my God, I can't sit through a four-hour movie. You're talking about the same people that binged watch Daredevil and Punisher and Bridgerton and enter Netflix docuseries here. You know what I'm saying? Like, if people are willing to just binge all that stuff, four hours is a drop in the bucket. Mm-hmm. And I loved every moment of it. And it was cool. I I feel like it tells a more robust story. There's a lot of cool like nooks and crannies to get into. There's a lot of detail, um, which I think Zack Snyder has cleverly placed in there. And it's a, a huge, it's night and day compared to what Whedon did by chopping up his movie. <laughs> yeah, that's a solid point about our current age of streaming, you know, people complaining about a four-hour movie, and yet at the same time, in a single day, they've binged like a 10-episode series, right? So, um, yeah, solid point. Um, and that kind of leads me, leads us to my experience. I, I did watch this in segments, um, two segments. I watched uh, the first three parts in one sitting with uh, Perferio and Christian here. And then I watched the rest of the movie uh, the next day. Um, so, yeah, I will say this. I did enjoy the movie. I would say I liked it, didn't love it. And I will also say that uh, I don't know if I, if I could have really gone like the full four hours straight, you know. Um, I feel like I needed to watch this as if it was like a, like a miniseries, you know, kind of like the way I watched it. Parts one, two, three, then the next day, four, five, six, epilogue, right? Um, so that was a smart move, by the way. The chapter breakout, I was not expecting that. Yeah, I had heard about that. We talked about this a, a little bit on a previous episode, but there was the announcement that there would be six parts, right? So my expectation was when I logged into HBO Max that we'd see like six episodes, but there it was, one big chunk, four hours, right? So then I was like, what happened to those six parts? And then we found out as we're watching the movie, there's like chapter breaks, you know? Mm-hmm. So a very unique experience, you know? Um, we, we talked about before 
like comparing the theatrical version. Um, yeah, just like the whole experience of watching this movie was was very unique for sure. It's cool though. It fills it fills in a lot of gaps that the the Justice League <laughs> uh, had left out. True. Um, yeah, I think it tells a much more full story, and it's cool seeing how Cyborg got like a lot more action in there. Like it was great seeing his character develop a lot more. I feel like he was barely in, you know, the the the, the Whedon version. Mm-hmm. And we've got we got some surprise guests with uh, uh, with Martian Manhunter, which was that, that was a huge surprise for us. Like I'm a big I'm a big John Jones fan, and it's cool how it connected. Um, the Snyder cut with Man of Steel. You guys caught that, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I guess go over Martian Manhunter and Man of Steel real quick. So the the general in Man of Steel, um, I forget his name. He's at he's he's very prominently at the end when like Superman drops a missile off back to him and another uh, officer. So that's yeah. that's the guy that was Martian Manhunter in Justice League. <laughs> oh, that's the guy. Oh, yeah. okay. I haven't seen Man of Steel in a while, so I actually did not catch that. So I I like I like Man of Steel. <laughs> like uh and I thought that was cool how it, it I wasn't looking for any kind of tie in, but I thought that was cool how that, that tied it in. And Martian Manor does does play quite a pivotal role. Like he's the one that brings Lois Lane out of where she is in her headspace and is what ultimately brings her to the scene where Superman finally comes to his senses. I think in the Whedon version, Batman just kind of secretly ushers her in and it leaves a lot to question. Um, so again, more, more of a robust story here. And a very different plot point, right? Yeah, it was Batman who who got Lois Lane in and ultimately was able to, you know, prevent Superman from beating their asses basically. Right. So yeah, that, that I think the, the two versions shared a lot of the same overall story, but yeah, th- th- there definitely were some differences and that was certainly a, a big one. Mm-hmm. Martian Manhunter's uh, he's like one of the original founding members of the justice league. So it's important to have him there. I think. Yeah. yeah, him, and then of course we also got like the little Green Lantern. Te- it was just a little tease. Yeah. Kind of, kind of, you know, during the uh, flashback scene. But it's cool seeing like all the little tidbits of the DC universe, and like being, you know, like being a fan or like wa- even watching the um, Bruce Tim version back in the day. You're kind of like, ah, I get that. Ah, I get that. Oh, I, I, I see that reference. And speaking of the length of the film, it's actually interesting. I, I, I like how they started, like right off the bat, Snyder, the Snyder Cut starts exactly where Batman vs. Superman ends. So if you think about it, well, how long is Batman vs. Superman? Like two and a half hours? Two and so a half if you hours. want to attack, yeah, so if you play it back to back, you can essentially get <laughs> like a seven, eight hour movie if you really wanted oh, wow. to, right? So I wonder, I wonder when that cut or that version is going to come out. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> the double feature. Yeah. Of course, you got to do the ultimate version too, which adds like another hour to Batman v Superman. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I like how like Batman's like final like death cry is what had awakened the mother boxes. Like that made total sense. And I do remember walking away from Justice League. Some people are saying like, why the hell Steppenwolf? Like why that person is the villain? And seeing the Snyder cut, it makes total sense why, because the entire time he's really just been the lackey and it was Darkseid that was really pulling the strings. So it's almost as if they took Starscream, who was supposed to be the side villain and made him the main villain in the Whedon Whedon cut. But we see why he is that way. And I also like how they reanimated him. Like he looked way better in the Snyder cut than he did. Than he did in the Whedon version. I think Whedon, the Whedon version was going for like this photorealistic look, which I feel like didn't work very well. Um, I almost equate that to some of the CGI villains in Endgame. Who are the, I forget the names of the ones that were like next oh, to yeah. the Black Order. Thanos. Yeah, like that's what it looked like to me. Like it always just stood out. It didn't seem right. But this time around, they made it, they made Steppenwolf more like menacing and like really fit into his animation. And I think it worked really well. Mm-hmm. I did notice that too. And I do agree. Steppenwolf does look better in this version. Yeah. The, the theatrical version, it looked like like they didn't finish the CGI on him or something. <laughs> like his face was kind of like squishy or something. I don't know. Yeah. It just, it didn't they gave look like right. half the budget. They gave half the budget to Superman's mustache and then half the budget to Steppenwolf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> no, it definitely looks like that. And ni- neither turned out well for them. And then regarding like the musical score, I, I'm glad they actually left out like the 80, the 80s, the 89, the Keaton Batman music and like the 80s, like Superman music that we didn't had like put into, you know, the theatrical cut. I mean, I feel like those musical scores should really stay with their respective movies. So I'm, I'm glad that that didn't continue with this version. I noticed that too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you, what do you guys think was the better like musical score? Like Danny Elfman in the original cut overall or the Junkie XL, like the new version? I think I the think, new like, version... Both kind of have their ups and downs. Like, oh yeah, go ahead, Ronnie. Yeah, I think the new version fit the aesthetic better. I think it, yeah, I, I think it was a better fit. Yeah, I agree too that it was a better fit. Like... I did enjoy the the nostalgia of of the Danny Elfman score in the theatrical cut, but kind of like what I was saying before, like um, you know, there were fun little moments in that previous version, right? Like Whedon would add some some comedic moments, and and yeah, the score would have like this nostalgic beats to them. Um, but overall, it just didn't make for like a cohesive experience right it just felt like disjointed right and um with this snyder cut like you know i think ultimately why i'm i'm giving it a thumbs up like i'm giving it a recommendation is that it's like it's it's a consistent vision right everything we're talking about like the the music the way it's shot the way it's cut it's just like um you know love him or hate him this is Zack Snyder's vision and um just to see like a filmmaker's directing and his like his method be kind of like 
not messed with. It's just kind of nice to see, right? And you could feel it. Like I felt it right away. Like when I started watching this, I felt like, oh shit, this is, this is what he was going for, right? Like um, you could feel like, okay, I didn't get that. Oh, there's too many cooks in the kitchen here. I just felt like, okay, this is this is what he wanted. This is what he wanted the world to see, and we all get to see it. So, yeah, that that was just kind of a cool feeling, you know. What you're saying, Henry, I really like how the music kind of like, like creates like the atmosphere, like, um, you know, the whole like, uh, the sounds, like the the yelling and in within like the music and everything, just kind of like gives it like a cool like artistic feeling to it, which I guess again is what I appreciated from the movie. It was really like a art artistic kind of movie it wasn't like your typical like action hero like um like just a movie filled with action there was just like a lot of storytelling and the music just kind of helped tell that storytelling whether it was like the slow-mo um cuts or like the action scenes Oh my God, can we talk about the slow-mo a little bit? <laughs> like, there is so much fucking slow motion in this movie. Oh my yeah, like... Um, Wait, are you speaking specifically about, like, Flash or...? Oh, I'm talking about everything. Like, certainly the Flash. I mean, that's, like, that's the way you, you experience how fast the Flash is, right? Through slow-mo. But there's slow-mo throughout, right? There's slow-mo in action scenes, even non-Flash action scenes. There's slow-mo in, like, Lois Lane walking out of coffee shop. There's slow mo, <laughs> and there's like slow, moody, like dramatic music. And um, man, like I've seen a lot of Zack Snyder movies. This is like full Snyder. Zack Snyder has gone full Snyder in this movie, right? The slow mo didn't bother me too much. Yeah, I mean, it didn't bother I think, me too much. I, I think to the, me, it I got a bit. Like, much, it got a bit much for me after a while, but there was a lot. There was a lot. I, I think there was like. Um, I read somewhere. I think it was like ten percent of the movie was slow mo, which is like about like what is like twenty minutes of slow mo. Maybe slow mo is like his go to, like J.J. Abrams. Um, <laughs> the called oh the lens, lens flare. flare. Maybe lens yeah, flare, maybe that's yeah. his lens flare. I don't know. It worked for me. Like I, I had no problem with it. And yeah, watching kind of it, signature. you really feel like, okay, this is a Zack Snyder movie. Like, this is the movie you wanted to make. Well, whereas the theatrical cut, it felt like, like, like a big mess, right? So, again, love it or hate it, you get to feel like his true vision here. So mm-hmm. that, that's a plus. I think that's what it is, is feeling the moment. And, like, yeah. I think it also plays with, like, again, the musical, like, tone of the film. I think that's – is that where a lot of the slow-mo happened with a lot of that music? <laughs> I want to say yes. Yeah, pretty much. Right? By the way, did you see Zack Snyder? Like, uh, in the film, he's in the film. So no. that very slow moment you're talking about when Lois is walking out of, I think it's like a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. He's like prominently there. I don't know if you guys, if you oh. blink, you'll miss him, but he's there. Oh, I, I actually missed that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was surprised I caught that actually. That's a fun I know, opinion. yeah, same. I was surprised I caught it really fast. I was like, hmm, he looks familiar. There's probably no one. <laughs> and then yeah later on I, I read like oh that's him I really I love how they 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 kind I thought they were going to go in the flashpoint direction They I think they really hinted at it um, mm-hmm. here um, and it was cool seeing it was cool seeing like 
you know, Barry Allen's story, like open up a bit more. Um, did you guys like, did you like the way uh, he, did, do you like Flash's character in this movie? How he's like kind of neurotic and he's kind of just all over the place in his head. And because the, the Flash that I'm used to is like the, the animated Justice League Flash, like real cocky, um, real suave, like wanting to be the ladies man like real sure of himself or even like um, like the, the CW series, like that's the flash that I'm used to. So this is a different kind of flash in my opinion. And I, I, I have a re I, I, I think I know why they're going with that direction, but do you guys have an opinion of the flash? He was like, I mean like this, I mean, just to best describe him, he was like that awkward, like Andrew Garfield, Peter Parker, right? Yeah, I think I think that kind of fits. Yeah, yeah. You could say. Yeah, like he's super awkward. So I I think the reason why they he played that character that way is because he's just inherently so fast, not just physically, but in his head, he's thinking at a million miles an hour. So mm-hmm. the way his thought process is, it comes out to us like he's just a weird, awkward guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I started looking at it through that lens, I was like, oh, that makes sense for for this flash. Yeah, That's and that's a good way to put it. I think too it helped helps kind of balance the team out, right? They have these pretty like like masculine alpha male types on the, the team already, right? So um some comic relief and a and a different type of superhero, I think, kind of uh yeah, balances things out in that respect. There's this one scene though in the Whedon cut, which I'm sure you guys remember. There's a scene where Flash is running. It's like the end of the movie and like things are starting to tie up and you see Flash running around the city, not in slow-mo, but everything's going fast. But the way we're seeing him is in like real time. And he's doing this super exaggerated run that looks like who would ever run that way. Do you guys remember that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So I am like very noticeable. Yes. And I'm very happy that that was not included <laughs> in the Snyder cut. And I have a feeling that that was put in the film because Whedon was like, I think the guy's name is Ezra. He's like, Ezra, I really want you to run like in a real exact, like, like as if he was given like poor direction on how to run. <laughs> <laughs> and he just went with it and they just caught a bad angle. That's what it looked like to me. <laughs> I'm glad that wasn't in the Snyder cut. Yeah. Like I think another scene from the Whedon version that I'm I'm glad was taken out. It's actually a scene I kind of liked in the Whedon version in in a vacuum, but the more I thought about it, the more I didn't like it. Was uh, there's a scene before the ba- the first big Justice League action scene uh, versus Steppenwolf and uh, underneath Gotham, where the Flash you know is talking to Batman and he says like oh, I've never done this before and I, I'm like real nervous, and Batman says just save one. Just save one, and then that's fine. Like, just go from there. Which is a scene that, like, I think in a vacuum that works as a scene. But uh, in the context of the rest of the movie, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Because you see him in BVS, do, like, doing superhero stuff, and that it, when Batman sees the email, Flash already has a, his own suit. So it, it seems kind of, like, uh, underthought in a way, which I guess underthought kind of is is almost like the whole Whedon cut in a in a, in a sense <laughs> whereas um like 
like Flash in the Zack Snyder cut, I find worked really well within the team dynamic. He worked a lot better because um, he was kind of the comic relief and he added a bit of levity. And of course, Zack Snyder's known for, yet, like you guys have said, like those like brooding kind of alpha male, like dark, darker superheroes. And so, um, but, but I think it overall kind of came off a lot better. I, I did enjoy that, that first scene where um, he saves Iris from the car. And then um, I thought he had a real nice kind of payoff at the end. Where was, that actually, he, was that actually Iris? I think so. I think that they didn't say it was Iris, but that's like, that's what I've heard just kind of around the internet of who that is. Is that supposed I was thinking to be the same. Iris in the car? I think I it was, that too. Yeah, I think so. I think like, yeah, because she's going to, she got cast for Flashpoint Paradox. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so, like, I thought him breaking, um, kind of going back in time to save the day at the end was was very satisfying. I like the way they kind of, like, set it up and how that's the the one rule he won't break. Um, and I do think that uh, that sets itself up nicely for the next, for this big Flashpoint movie that's supposed to happen. Um, where he does change is supposed to change more of time, and that'll be kind of uh, go next. But that'll is kind of like soft reboot button. Mm -hmm. And so um, let's see the other the other big character I think really got a boost was Cyborg. Okay, we've definitely brought it up before. You definitely brought it up, Rainier. And so I actually want to talk a little bit more of that, more about him. Because in the Whedon version, he was just kind of this side character who kind of spouted a bit of exposition here and there. But he's kind of like the heart and soul of the Justice League in the Zack Snyder version. Yeah. Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. like, what, like, what did you guys think of that? What did you guys think of that? Like, because that was like probably the biggest change for me between the two versions. Yeah. The um, it's interesting the Whedon version like he the moment you see cyborg he's just angry <laughs> and we are to assume he's angry because he's changing right and it doesn't it feels like it doesn't go anywhere beyond that but in the snyder cut we see we see there's more to it than that it's not just because he's now this like half human half robot thing it's because of his relationship with his father and how his mother had had died uh, I feel like that was really important. I can't believe they cut that out. Mm -hmm. yeah, and what's funny about that is that like, it actually kind of plays into this Teen Titans Go episode. <laughs> I might've talked about this before, but there's an episode that like kind of highlights like why comics have to be so serious. And I feel like the serious version of Cyborg and Teen Titans Go is almost exactly the way Cyborg is in the Whedon cut. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of angry for no reason. Just brooding. angsty and angry and brooding just to be so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I remember going into the Snatter Cut and just thinking, like when they were focused on the cyborg story, I was just kind of like, ugh, I didn't care for him and the Whedon version. Why are they going to give him any like airtime in the Snatter Cut? But, oh, my God, yeah, like, uh, he was, like, like you said, Christian, the heart and soul of Justice League, and it totally makes sense, like, um, like, 
just like why he is the way he is and um yeah just getting to know his backstory and everything i am like really disappointed that they like cut that out and it was really good like knowing his backstory and everything it was really good scene I just thought about the slow motion in that football scene. God, maybe there is a lot of slow-mo. <laughs> there is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but I agree. It's pretty cool. We got to get to know Cyborg, you know. Um, you know, before this movie, yeah, they weren't they weren't following the MCU way where like each superhero got their own movie. But, you know, Man of Steel, we got to see Superman, BVS, Wonder Woman, and and Batman, um, with Justice League, there, there, we'd never seen Aquaman, well, hardly seen Aquaman, Cyborg, or Flash before, right? Uh, so, you know, when I saw that theatrical version, I walked away like, man, man like, who, who is Cyborg? Like, we barely got to see this guy, right? Um, but yeah, we we really got to know him more here, and yeah, they really fleshed out his backstory. And um, yeah, it, it made his action scenes better because you, you, you got to know him, you, you got to know his like, his motivations and everything and it just, it made for a better character. So that was I like how they, they explained his, his power a lot better. Like I feel like yeah. in the Whedon version, he, he turned off a couple lights and he can shoot lasers out of his hands. But I like the explanation they gave him the Snyder Cut where he's like, he's connected to everything digital on this planet. Like he can disrupt our entire economic system. He has access to nuclear codes. Like that's a pretty big deal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cyborg's power level definitely leveled up with this Snyder cut. Like he, he went from being, yeah, a guy who can turn on Batman's car with his arm to like having almost godlike powers, right? Yeah. So a, a totally different character. Yeah. Totally different. His yeah. power seems just so relevant to today. Mm-hmm. Everything's connected, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I, I want to say like it's also interesting like the character or the actor um Ray, Ray Fisher. Fisher. Yeah, like how he totally like like um just like like every chance he gets, he gets to like bomb Whedon and everything. And I think he even like was like, I don't want to do cyborg anymore. And then all of a sudden he's like up in arms of like supporting Snyder Cut. And now he's like saying like, oh yeah, I mean like if they were to do Justice League 2 or 3, I would return to play cyborg, but only if like Snyder directs it. And so it's just, I guess like that working relationship behind the scenes like that you know helps to make the character within the movie um i just thought that was really it's really evident within the two versions yeah on a kind of a personal level it was kind of cool to see this character fleshed out because we know what ray fisher went through with like the the whole whedon abuse stuff you mm-hmm. know and and also knowing that that Ray Fisher's career is kind of in jeopardy because he's spoken out not only on Whedon but other Hollywood producers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it, it just kind of a nice moment to see him get his due in a way. Mm-hmm. Fitting that you say fleshed out and he's half human, half cyborg. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
hope we get we do actually get to see more of Cyborg. Because um, Cyborg, like, I feel like in Justice League as a whole, or the, you know, DC as a whole, he's always kind of like the team character. He's always, he was like introduced on Teen Titans, and that's kind of where he stayed until he moved to Justice League. But he hasn't, he's not a character that that's had, like, had his moment in the sun. And so I feel like Justice League, I'm really glad they, like, really pushed him to the forefront in the second half of the movie. Mm-hmm. He's great in Teen Titans. <laughs> he is, yeah. I think that Booyah line that he throws out in the Whedon version. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if Cyborg says Booyah in the comics. I think I think the actor started using that catchphrase on the animated series. I feel I feel like that's where I've heard it. Um, I've never read that many Teen Titans comics, but I I feel like I have heard it when I watched the Teen Titans show back in the day. The, the voice actor for um, Cyborg is Kari Payton, who was also Ezekiel from Walking Dead. That's right. Oh, hey. Huh. He's got um, geek cred for sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's another Cyborg scene. I guess this is more people talking about Cyborg that I really like from the Snyder Cut. Um, because it's uh, there's like this kind of night and day version. Um, it's basically Aquaman and Flash talking about Cyborg when they're just hanging out in the Batcave. And so I remember, so in the Whedon cut, like Aquaman just get, or just gets on Cyborg's case for no reason. Um, and just starts like, just like insulting him, like in the middle of the Batcave for, I guess, I guess they wanted tension in that moment. But in the Snyder cut, there's a real great scene where Aquaman's talking to Flash and he, he just describes Cyborg's situation and how, and how like, how bad that must be, how awful Cyborg must feel to be half human, to lose his mother. And like, I don't know. I think, I think that's, that's a real great moment for, I guess, like both of those characters that kind of humanizes them both in a way, because Aquaman was also a character that got a lot more, um, characterization actually got an arc, a nice arc in the, uh, the first half of the movie where, whereas like, he just kind of shows up in Justice League for the most part in the Whedon cut. But I think he, he has a nice setup for the Aquaman movie, which came after um, where he wants to be king or where, he, you know, his his journey to being king in that movie largely starts and is set up in this movie with Willem Dafoe. There's a nice little cameo there as well as, a, you know, we get more between Aquaman and Mara in this movie at the end. Or at the uh, at the at the end of the um, that underwater fight, and so did you did you guys do you guys have anything on like I guess Aquaman? I like Aquaman. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like I like how they kept the they kept most of the original exchange. Maybe that was Snyder's original take with. Bruce Wayne and Aquaman first like coming together and butting heads. Um, I was looking out for that line about, I heard you can talk to fish that was cut out. I actually really liked that line, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I like how, I like how Bruce Wayne. That, he actually says it twice in the movie <laughs> in the Snyder cut. No, in the, uh, in the Whedon, Whedon cut, I went back and watched it after watching the Snyder cut. 
He says it twice. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, he that. says it twice, and then mentions Aquaman's pitchfork at one point. Like Batman, for some reason, like really liked ripping on Aquaman in the Whedon cut. If you guys ever watch, um, like, there's an animated series called the. I think it's called the Bat. What's it? Oh, Batman: The Brave and the Bold. Christian, I'm sure you've seen it. Have you seen that? Yeah. That's a great I, show. It, the way they portray Aquaman in there is awesome. He's like super like mm-hmm. macho and very regal in a very sarcastic and it's a <laughs> he's a great character on the show. <laughs> he is, yeah. He's also but a great I, I like yeah. in the I mean, Justice League cartoon. But in terms of like Aquaman in Justice League, like I mean he's he's the king that doesn't want to be king and like it he plays that character really well in that in that sense. Yeah, with mm-hmm. Aquaman, I feel like it's kind of too bad the Aquaman movie didn't come out before the theatrical cut because I remember when when it came out, like you didn't really get enough of him, right? Like, um, like kind of like what I was saying with Cyborg and Flash, like you, you just didn't get their story so much. So I thought with the Snyder cut, we would get more Aquaman back backstory, but I, I felt like there wasn't a whole lot there. And yeah, I mean, Momo is awesome. Uh, so yeah, I kind of, I felt like maybe I could have used a little bit more backstory from that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess there, there's not a whole lot to say about Aquaman outside of, I guess, what we've like already said, it just how it's just kind of like a setup, like a quick setup for the movie. There is something cool about how Bruce Wayne says the Aquaman. It makes it sound... Like so much cooler. <laughs> I heard yeah, you're like the Aquaman. Figure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, just like how people talk about the Batman. <laughs> it, like he, did you guys cool like how? You um, <laughs> did you guys like how they integrated the the interaction between um, Deathstroke and Lex Luthor as part of the movie instead of a cut scene like they did with the Whedon cut? Yeah, that, so, I like that difference a lot. So my what understanding, you, what did you my guys under, think about that? My understanding of that scene is that is what was supposed to set off Ben Affleck's Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about the epilogue, right? Yeah. The is was that part of the epilogue? No, I, mean, I think that was two chapters. It was, yeah. Six. Was it? It, it no, well, I, it was, yeah, it was sure at it was the end, epilogue. Right? Yeah, I think it was the epilogue. Was it, if, yeah, it was it was epilogue. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, in um, the Whedon in the Whedon version, it was like it was the end credit scene. Yeah, yeah, that that's they were mm-hmm. totally going Marvel, right? They had like the mid credit scene and the post credit scene and all that, right? Um, well, I mean, I mean, this might be a little early to talk about the epilogue, but I have to say the epilogue almost ruined the movie for me because. Like we're talking about like three and a half hours of movie already. And then there's this crazy long, not even a sequence, like a a series of scenes, this epilogue, right? I really feel like this should have been like, almost like, like extras, you know, like bonus material because all this stuff, I mean, cool as it is, you know, I I admit it it was cool to see the Joker and, 
and Deathstroke and all these guys, but it, it didn't have anything to do with the movie, right? It was just totally extraneous, right? Ooh, just just wait and see, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to all tie together later. It's going to come back. It's going to happen. The, I'm telling you, in, in this singular project, this film, just the Zack Snyder's Justice League, it was it had completely nothing to do with the movie, right? It was all extra. It's bonus material, man. Like, it, it shouldn't have been in there. Like, I feel like I mean, the way that you're you know? explaining the scene is like the way... I can't remember which end credit scene it was in where they find Bucky and his arm is stuck in like um, like a machine. I can't remember which movie end credit scene that was. That was Ant-Man. Okay, Ant-Man. and I, That's right. I think, when, I remember, I think I remember walking away from the end credit scene being like, what the hell does this have to do with anything? Is that That's the feeling you had, Henry? It is. And I know, yeah, you're right. Like after <laughs> watching Ant-Man, it's like, what, 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 what is this? <laughs> right. And like the connective material, uh, the, the connective tissue was what like Falcon appearing earlier in Ant-Man when they interact, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it, it had nothing to do with it. Right. Uh, so, so take that feeling, you know, a single scene, maybe, I don't know, three minutes or so and multiply that by 10 and have multiple scenes. It was just, yeah, it was too much. And it, and again, it didn't have anything to do with the movie. So yeah. Um, it's it's going to have connective tissue, Henry. Just wait and see. Just wait. Wasn't the epilogue the only thing that Snyder had to cut, um, to shoot? Did he, did he reshoot that? No, like I, I, I read somewhere that the epilogue was the only thing Snyder shot like after like after it was announced that they were doing the h the release the snatter cut like i think everything else was like he already had except the epilogue like when they gave him like the budget and everything like he returned those actors and actresses and he filmed it oh i'm not sure i know there's I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I do know that there's a lot of nods in there that I, I have yet to watch it again, but like there's some Suicide Squad in there. There's a lot of stuff that speaks to Flashpoint in there. I mean, it, it does open up like the entire multiverse, which DC uses in almost every storyline. <laughs> um, there's, there's a lot in there. Uh, and I could see why it doesn't feel like it fits henry <laughs> yeah hey it's cool that it exists but like you know label it a deleted scene or bonus materials dvd extras whatever you want to call it that's fine it just yeah it took me away from from the movie like i'm saying like this movie felt like this great singular vision finally we get to see Zack snyder's like untainted vision of justice league and then he throws all this other stuff at the end it's like oh well that is, was weird you know i i am curious to see more of that world though i mean like we did get a, a an original taste of that from like whedon's cut with like you know batman in his trench coat and superman evil superman so there's there's a lot more story to tell there <laughs> and i i like that version of the joker i wish that version of the joker would have been in Suicide Squad. Although I, there's a lot of things I would have changed about Suicide, Suicide Squad, but that was a pretty creepy but cool Joker. <laughs> like it almost seems like that scene was like Jared Leto's like big redemption scene for the Joker. Like I'm not sure if Jared Leto was ever 
planning to do the Joker again for Suicide Squad or what the contract was. But I think because that version is so negatively received, he had like that's almost why he brought him on. So it's like, okay, you can have the Joker, and this is kind of what we really had envisioned something like this. Like, or mixed with, I think it feels like that nightmare scene, um, kind of at the end. Yeah, um, that's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. Like the scene is a whole, is like something that I think Zack Snyder was planning for Justice League Two. I think it's something that might come in 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 Flashpoint when they do that. Um, and I think it's just an idea that Zack loved so much as like part of the as part of the movie that like he's always wanted to put it in, even though he may have originally thought that was like a cutting cutting room floor idea in a sense, you know. Um, like I think that's a it's something that, like, I think only works because we're watching essentially a director's cut, like an extended cut. But I think if I had seen that in the theater, like, I guess the epilogue as a whole, I think I would have been a little bit, all right, this is running a little long for me. But because it's, like, kind of this own little segment, I was, I guess, like, we're like, okay, let's let's see. Oh, hey, that was a nice little thing at the end. One of the nice um, details that they threw in there, which really caught me by surprise, was the call-out of uh, Ryan Choi. Okay, so who is Ryan Choi? So <laughs> so he's the current um, Adam um, preceding Ray Palmer in the comics. Oh, that's... Oh, okay. yeah. oh huh. So he's the I Adam. I didn't know that's who he was, because I, I knew of Ray Palmer, but I and never that, actually heard of Ryan Choi. Yeah, that, that caught me by surprise too, just like the Martian Manhunter moment. I'm like, mm. oh cool. He's they're gonna go forward with Ryan Choi. And his character, by the way, um in the comics is 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 super cool. Mm-hmm. And we're getting some cool Asian representation as well. Yeah. So I like uh, like it was a nice not at the end. Maybe they'll I hope they do more with him. Like if we actually get to see the Adam on screen. Mm-hmm. Like a molecular ant man, quote unquote. And he was basically the head of, because um, Cyborg's father was like the head of that division at Star Labs, I believe, right? And then Ryan Choi is then stepping into his shoes, which is, is cool. Yeah. So we'll see if that's a movie. Um, so I guess uh, with that, um, do you guys have any other thoughts on, I guess, the epilogue of the movie? This This kind of last scene that Zack Snyder may have like shot or reshot. I feel like people that aren't super familiar with like the multiverse and you know, all of those other storylines, I'm wondering if the general take is like, that looks awesome, but I have no idea what's happening. Kind of like, <laughs> kind of like what you're talking about, Henry, right? Like it well, yeah, just comes exactly, out of left field for you. That's exactly how I felt. Yeah, not only did I feel it was out of place, but yeah, I was like, what the fuck is happening here? You know? So it was a little confusing. You know, I was just, I don't know, I was disappointed. Just like, you know, like, like kind of like, I guess like what Henry saying, like, I love that they included it. And it gave like, you know, tease that like other Marvel movies have done. But I'm just like, kind of like disappointed. That like, ah, we're not getting this, you know? Unless we like do the other, now a new fan campaign, restore the Snyder verse. <laughs> Wait a second. How come we're not talking about Dark Side? Everyone's thoughts on Dark Side. Yeah. 
So what did you guys think of Darkseid, Henry and Porfirio? Because this is, I guess, your first quote-unquote introduction. I mean, I knew who Darkseid was. I know he's like, you know, like the the DC's version of Thanos. Oh, I knew you were going to say it. Someone was going to say it. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Darkseid was created before Thanos, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of DC stuff is created before Marvel stuff. But, um... I mean, like, I, I thought it was cool. I thought that, you know, he was included in the backstory for the mother boxes instead of Stephen Wolf. Um, and that, like, he was, he's supposed to be the big baddie of the Justice League, you know? And Stephen Wolf was just, like, the puppet. You know, it kind of, I forgot who I was talking about this with, but it felt like, you know, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, like, Ronin is like Stephen Wolf, and then there's Thanos behind the scenes, kind of like, um, like make like calling all the shots and everything. Yeah, I did think it was cool that Darkseid is in this movie, and um, as a huge Marvel fan, yes, Darkseid was created before Thanos and Thanos is arguably a ripoff of Darkseid, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, I I spoke about this before, but as a young child, I was more of a DC fan. And um, there was a cartoon called Superpowers that I was really into, a DC cartoon called Superpowers. I collected the toys. I watched the cartoons and the main villain of Superpowers is Darkseid and Along with Darkseid, you get Steppenwolf and Desaad, who is also in this movie. So I was totally psyched to see these characters show up. Um, but uh, yeah, like kind of like what you were alluding to, Rainier, the comparison with Thanos is inevitable here, right? Um, Darkseid is the DC version of Thanos. And I mean... You know, basically, you get, what, two full movies of Thanos, and he's a very fleshed-out character, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the movie version of Thanos is, is legendary now, right? Um, so I felt like they didn't do Darkseid right here, because, like, just, just compare how the two characters are introduced, right? So there's, there's all this buildup, like, who is Thanos, right? You get a glimpse of him in the post credit scenes of the first Avengers movie. You see him here and there sitting on his throne. Um, but you, you don't really see him in, in action until, like, that first scene of Infinity War, right? So it's like, oh, we finally get to see what Thanos can do, right? And he fucking beats the shit out of Hulk, right? It's like, holy shit, this guy is totally powerful, right? Um, and then, like, in this movie, how are we introduced to Darkseid? We, we see him defeated, right? You see some dude axe him, and he scurries off. Like, this is, this is supposed to be the baddest motherfucker in the universe, right? And he, he gets taken out. Like, I feel like I wish he was introduced better. You know, like, I wish he got the Thanos treatment, right? Um, and not only that, you kind of get teased at the end that, oh, shit, like the Justice League are going to take on Darkseid, right? But in the end, it was just a tease, right? What mm-hmm. Zack Snyder at the time probably thought might lead to like a Justice League sequel, which would be Justice League versus Darkseid. But as it is, 
uh, you know, Darkseid doesn't do a whole lot except get beaten in an earlier scene, right? So, yeah, I, See, I, 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 wish I think we um, got more out of him. I think Darkseid let them beat him. <laughs> Give them a false sense of confidence that if they meet again, uh, Darkseid, no big deal. I did like how they threw in, like, I, I did like how he gave the explanation of his search for the anti-life equation. I thought that was really cool. Like, I think overall, like, even that explanation, like a lot of the movie played to me the way I would read a comic book. Like, I think that's just the overall feel of the movie. And I thought that was great. You know, for me, I kind of, I kind of agree with Henry. I just, I didn't like how they introduced Darkseid. I almost kind of wish they didn't introduce him. Cause I mean, like when the Snyder Cut was first announced, like they, I think there was like a trailer or something that introduced Darkseid like a, a, a drawing that Wonder Woman sees. And everybody's like, oh, we're going to see Darkseid in the Snyder Cut, you know? And um, I'd rather have them just like hint at like Darkseid, but not like fully introduce him. They did hint at Darkseid in BBS. There was like this big Omega symbol in like the nightmare scene. Um but uh, I think I think seeing Dark Side is something a lot of people wanted to see because of that. Um, I I sure did. Um, and like why they didn't go full Dark Side in this cut, <laughs> I think I'm sure they're leaving it open for what we're gonna get next from DC. Yeah. Yeah, it's clear that with this movie, the intention was to have Steppenwolf be the main villain, and then the next one, or maybe even like, I don't know, the third of a trilogy, uh, Dark Side be the villain. Um, but, yeah. Take that um, Dark Side Thanos comparison even further. Um, watching uh, Justice League, I thought, oh, Steppenwolf's kind of like Ronin the Accuser from Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's kind of how they were um, kind of building up to, to Dark Side. Um, the scene... Where the scene where they did bring it, I I enjoyed that big battle scene. It reminded me of the beginning of uh, Fellowship of the Ring with that version of Sauron with the Sealdor fighting him at the beginning with the the joint alliance. Um, one thing, actually, the guy with the axe um, that hits Darkseid is actually Ares, the god of war. Um, yeah. Which I didn't I didn't pick up at first, um, and I thought. He definitely looked a little better in that movie than I think he did in Wonder Woman. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, that I interpreted of like kind of like uh, that was the the only way is to get everyone in a sense together, um, gods and men and Greenland and, and like the entire universe. Because I, I think the best Dark Side stories are the ones where he's like pretty much unbeatable. And the Justice League essentially have to use some like big Deus Ex Machina, like going back in time to defeat him. So, um, yeah. So I guess let's let's continue this Avengers versus Justice League um, comparison and argument. So the big question is always: How would you compare the Justice League to the Avengers? Say, just the Zack Snyder cut, say, versus the Joss Whedon Avengers, or even if you want to take it further, some of the later Avengers movies, because we got those. Say, Endgame, Infinity War. Um, 
What do you? How would you guys compare the two? Like, real quick, I think it's kind of unfair to compare, say, Endgame to Zack Snyder's Justice League because with Endgame you get like twenty or so movies of backstory built in, and it all leads up to that portal scene, and like you just you can't really top that right yeah um, so maybe the fairer comparison is the the 2012 avengers movie right you get a handful of movies leading up to it and then um these great superheroes uh come together yeah and you, you make a good point like it is i think it's really apples to oranges because like i feel like avengers overall like found their maturity very early on and they knew what direction to go in where I think DC it's still, they're still trying to find, I feel like they're still trying to find their footing and like where to put a stake in the ground. Um, so that's a tough call. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind of tough for me also. Like I, the closest Avengers movie I could see myself comparing justice league to is actually age of Ultron. Um, just like the one thing that popped this for me that was like, oh, this is Avengers was like that slow-mo opening scene with Avengers, how they jump out together. And then there's that slow-mo with the Bat- Batmobile. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, towards the end of Justice League, like for, the, the, it's like shows the first time they're like together as a team. And um you know, I guess it kind of shows like the progression of them working together versus like individuals. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard to compare the two, the two franchises. It is. Yeah, you know, I'm saying the better comparison is Snyder Cut versus the first Avengers movie, but even there, it's it's so different. Like we're talking about totally different movies number one the running time is like two hours versus four hours basically um and look at the filmmakers we we saw the the clash in styles in the justice league theatrical cut whedon and Zack snyder are completely different directors right so it's a totally different feel um and and here's a big one i think it comes down to this really like um as marvel as the Avengers movie is the Zack Snyder cut is so DC, right? Um, yeah. We're, we're talking about how like cyborgs powers have become like godlike in this movie. And that goes for a number of characters in this movie. I mean, number one, Superman, right? We're, we're dealing with, with superheroes who have amazing godlike powers. And when we're going to Marvel, we really get to like a more kind of relatable powered down version of superheroes. Like it's, it's funny in that first Avengers movie, even Thor is kind of less powerful. Like they had that scene where Loki stabs him and that kind of explains why, like maybe he's not as powerful, but um, it becomes more of like a street level battle. Like it's, it's these powered down superheroes taking on aliens. Right. Um, so yeah like the more i think about it avengers is like that that's like that's that's the marvel thing right that's the the relatable hero and that's how they started you know with with iron man it it was this guy who 
was like, um, you know, like he's he's like he's he doesn't have superpowers and he, he just seems like someone you might know, right? Um, and then with Snyder, man, Snyder is like superhero mythology. Um, it's superhero spectacle. It's all the things that normal humans can't do, right? We're we're seeing things being done that we can never dream to do, right? So um, it's so hard to compare. I mean, out of an enjoyment level, like I would prefer Avengers, but like I said, they seem to be uh, very, very different films. That's probably the best answer is to is to even just call it, say it's apples and oranges and that they're they're incomparable. Because um, I think if I had asked you this question back in 2017, the answer would be obvious. Like the answer would probably be obvious as far as like ah, Avengers was much better. Uh, whereas I think with this, um, it like it does really highlight these heroes and that um like you mentioned they they highlight the the greek pantheon with um zeus being like superman aquaman poseidon and so on and so forth and so um it's it's one thing i think that i guess um Mar i guess marvel was have over this this version of dc phase 1 marvel versus phase 1 dc is that marvel does have a much better sense of like organization and so um, I think if you look back at the two different methods that they used for these movies, I, I do prefer the way Marvel kind of set up their Avengers versus the way DC set up Justice League. And so when the two movies come around, um, Avengers doesn't have to be four hours in order to set up, set up all of its pieces because a lot of its pieces were already set up in a sense. And so, um, well, I I think after watching both of those, I think I would prefer Justice League to say the first Avengers or Age of Ultron. Um, I I also say that's probably also because I came from I just grew up heavily in DC, and so this is like this is almost like the movie I I was waiting for since I was a kid in a, in a sense. Do you think Whedon's original Whedon's cut? Do you think it would have been received differently had it come out before the MCU even existed? Hmm. Ah, oh, that's a good point. That's a good question. Ah, hmm. Because I think everyone is just stuck in this, this, it's the MCU effect. Like you can't watch a DC film without comparing it to Marvel. Now, what would it have been like if DC had Justice League first? That is a very chicken or the egg kind of question <laughs> because you could argue that, you know, Joss Whedon would have never been involved in this movie in the first place if he hadn't had done hadn't have done Avengers one and two right, and um, so much of his efforts was trying to make an Avengers style movie out of Justice League right, uh, so by that rationale like yeah. It, it, you, 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 can't, you can't really say like oh what if that this movie came out first because this movie was kind of this movie the theatrical cut was born of the mcu right so it's, it's complicated i feel like because i mean i feel like at that time before every summer blockbuster was a superhero movie like i think all of us were clamoring to see like a serious like theatrical take of any of our favorite superheroes so i think yeah any of us would have grabbed at anything that was thrown at us that was 
taken seriously. And I think, I feel like if Justice League had come out then, I think it would have been received very differently. I think everyone would be like, man, that's the best superhero movie ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. of course, if Marvel would have continued its course after that, then you'd be like, oh, Marvel learned their lesson from DC and look at what they're doing now. Marvel's way better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I get your point. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. I think, you know, with the MCU movies, th- there was a, a bar that was set kind of high, right? So, you know, after those movies, there was this expectation like, oh, we can, we can make these movies all connected and shared universe and all that. And, oh, we can, we can make these characters like feel very like uh, people we know and all that. And, and yeah, the, it, the expectation levels went up on all superhero movies, right? So, yeah. I'm a little curious, like, what if Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy came out post-MCU? Would it have been received as critically acclaimed as it had been when it originally came out? Hmm. I don't know, because then everyone would be comparing it to Marvel. Yeah, I, no, I, I kind of think it would have been as successful, maybe even more so, because it might have been such a stark difference. Like, oh, shit, like, they're doing, like, something completely different, you know? Um, you know, like Nolan is so talented that I think his craft would have shined, right? Regardless of when those movies released. Yeah, I kind of think, I mean, to answer the second part of the question, like, you know, we had like Joker come out, you know, like its own little universe during this whole MCU kind of realm. And that one succeeded, you know, just because... Yeah, I think everybody's just like, it could be that everyone's just tired of like, you know, the happy MCU that some people would just want to see like something more serious, you know? Um, But I feel like if just as they came out like in the early years of the MCU, I think it would have been able to compete with at least Avengers, you know, about like whether or not people disliked it or not. I think... um, if like Justice League and Avengers One came out around the same time, I feel like people are gonna be like, "Oh, which one did you like better?" Instead of like being like a one-sided kind of um, like argument, you know. Also, what if Disney had never acquired Marvel? <laughs> <laughs> what would MCU movies look like if that were the case? <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a good question. That's yeah. a total other question for another podcast. <laughs> what if? Worse. What yeah. if? Ooh, we should have a what if episode. Wait, did you guys do that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has there been one? That would be a, it. Would be a good uh, good topic. Oh, what yeah. if Disney hadn't acquired Marvel? Yeah. What if Lucas <laughs> did not sell to Disney? Oh, that. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> What if Marvel never went bankrupt in the 90s and sold off all their movie properties? <laughs> what if Henry Cavill shaved his mustache? <laughs> <laughs> that definitely was the first thing I noticed. Like the very beginning of the movie, we didn't have that that kid's cell phone footage of Superman and the, the terrible mustache. Yeah. Thing. Oh, that's, that so reminds obvious. me. Yeah. Yeah. When I started playing the movie, I was like, why is this thing not in widescreen? 
Mm-hmm. And I thought I had like may have accidentally adjusted my settings. So I went back and I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah. And then I finally saw the disclaimer of like how it was Schneider's original, like it was the way he had originally intended to shoot it, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought, man, it's weird not seeing a movie without like letterbox or without widescreen. Yeah. Like it, t- it took me a minute to get used to, but um, I guess once I did, it was fine. The, I guess the idea is that um, I guess Henry, Henry went over this wall after we had finished, but that, it, four by three is what is the IMAX ratio. And oh, was so it intended for it, IMAX? Yeah, supposedly he shot the whole thing for to be shown in an IMAX. Oh, I'd um, love to see that in IMAX. Yeah, it, it would be great. It would be for great. four hours. <laughs> it would need to have an intermission. I think that's the only way I'd watch this movie in a theater. I think you'd need like a season pass, like come in a day to watch an episode, come back the next. <laughs> I think Snyder still wants to release it in theaters, but like in the fall when like everybody's like vaccinated and everything. Would you guys watch this in theaters? Like, you know, minus any sort of uh, pandemic, would you guys would you guys see a four hour this four hour movie in theaters, mm-hmm. even after watching it on HBO Max, just to get the full IMAX experience of it? Hey, realistically, I I can't. I, well, if yeah. I had the opportunity, I absolutely would. <laughs> I don't know if I can. Like, if I was just, even if I was, like, fresh, I hadn't seen the Snyder Cut, I don't know if I can. Like, that's just, that's a lot. Yeah, I don't think I could do it. I think I was mentioning it before, but it's just too long, you know? Um, when I say the the movie works for me, it works for me almost like as if it was, a limited tv show um you know like to me four hours is just too long for a movie to be <laughs> I, I can't do it it's just too long if, it's just too if long. you think of it if you think about it from a value standpoint you're paying the same price for a ticket <laughs> to watch an hour and a half movie but now you're getting a four-hour movie so you're getting more bang for the buck <laughs> there you go it's, it's it. a value <laughs> yeah, that's just that's just it's just too long it's too, long. too much value <laughs> yeah Hey, real quick on the whole aspect ratio thing. Um, I kind of had a problem with this. Um, So yeah, we talked a little earlier about how this is shot in four to three aspect ratio, also known as full screen. Um, Yeah, basically, uh, I mean, there's tons of different aspect ratios out there, but mainly there are three. There's four to three, there's 185 to one, also known as widescreen, and then there's 239 to one, which is anamorphic widescreen and yeah like um i'm not i'm not saying filmmakers have to adhere to this certain way of doing it but generally the wider the screen the the more grand the movie looks the more epic it looks you know and and the the more boxy it looks it it tends to feel more like you're watching something like uh, a classic uh, television sitcom like we saw with WandaVision, right? We saw the four to three aspect ratio there, right? Um, So the fact that this movie was shot in four to three, it felt like kind of what you're saying, Rainier. It's like, oh, did someone cut off the sides of the screen or something? Like, Like to get 
for this movie, it, I really feel like it should have had the full like 239 to one anamorphic widescreen. You know, it just didn't feel right. It felt like it was like kind of um, closed in, like it, it was, it, it needed some, some room to breathe, you know? Uh, so yeah, it, 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 I, the, the, the explanation I understand that it was meant to be on an IMAX screen, which yes, is very tall. Uh, but just, I'm telling you at home on my TV, I felt like, hey, where's the rest of the picture? <laughs> I'm, I'm losing the sides here, you know? Uh, so I, I, I felt that. You know what's that funny about that? I remember, I remember when I was, I was a little kid way back when, I remember w- watching a movie with some cousins. And I think it might have been like their first time seeing a home movie where it was like letterbox intended for widescreen. Yeah. And their reaction was exactly that. They're like, where's the rest of the movie? Like, why did they put these black boxes here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like yeah. the complete opposite. Yeah. And that's a good, that's a good take because maybe part of my experience is, is like um, first seeing those letterboxed uh, movies, right? That the, the, the bars, the black bars on the top and bottom. When I found out that, oh, that's the way that the filmmaker originally intended it. So maybe in my mind it's like, oh, we should always see it like this. But now Snyder's saying, well, the four to three is how I'm wanting to do this. So like, maybe I should just like, well, that's the way that, maybe I should be of the opinion that like, well, that's the way he wanted it to be seen. So I got used to it pretty quickly, but at first I thought I had like messed up my like TV settings, like <laughs> by accidentally sitting on my remote or something. I'm like, Oh shoot. Did I mess up our TV? <laughs> Well, now maybe we're going to see the release the widescreen cut. <laughs> Hashtag. Release the 9 by 16 <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. So um, would you guys want to get into, I guess, final thoughts and final scores on the Snyder Cut? I think we should also give a final score on the Whedon cut as well. What you guys thought of that? And if you can give a one out of five score on that versus the Snyder cut and how you... And I'm going to have different levels of like scoring because like I feel like if you frame it in a different time, (laughs) they're completely different scores. (laughs) Uh, But if if you were to compare it back to back, right? That's another different score as well. Yeah, because how I felt watching the Whedon version back in 2017 is much different to how I felt watching it like right after watching the Snyder Cut as well. But I guess, how do you feel about those movies now? I can start. Um, yeah, with the theatrical version, the uh, Whedon version, um, yeah, kind of like I've been saying, felt like a big mess. I would go with two out of five for that one. And... Um, you know, a a lot of that, a lot of the sentiment there was, this is DC trying to be Marvel, right? Trying to be Marvel and failing, right? And Marvel fans like me have used that against DC fans like you guys, right? Like, oh, you guys are just want to be Marvel. You can't do it. You guys suck. Your movies suck, right? (laughs) But look. This movie, 
you know, um, again, I liked it. Didn't love it. I liked it. I'm going to go with three out of five. But I will say this. I am so happy for DC fans because I feel like finally, like that, that weight is kind of lifted, right? Because this is not a DC movie trying to be a Marvel movie. This is like Snyder doing his thing. This is Zack Snyder totally not trying to be Marvel. This is like the farthest thing from a Marvel movie. Like I was talking about that earlier, right? We, we can't compare Marvel's Avengers to Zack Snyder's Justice League, right? Because they're so fucking different, right? This is a completely different thing. And I'm so glad for it. Like it's, it's like, yeah, like, it's it's freeing i think you know it's cool that like snyder's just doing his thing and um and that stigma is like gone now like you guys are free of it i'm like like i was thinking of you rainier when i was watching this movie i was number one i was thinking rainier's gonna fucking love this movie but the other part (laughs) of it too was like yeah this is this is like dc just doing their thing you know and like we they're he's Zack Snyder doesn't have to worry about box office here. This is like straight to streaming. And again, has nothing to do with Marvel. Nothing, right? He, he, you know, it doesn't, he's, he even said it like, oh, he doesn't intend to continue on with this, right? There's no more, uh, you know, teasers for the next movie or trying to connect it to other movies, shared universe, whatever. This is just what it is. And it's, again, totally not marvel so super cool thumbs up to you guys and uh yeah three out of five a recommendation for me as the other marvel guy um josh whedon's justice league i would say i would give it a two out of five it was just it was messy it was trying to be something that it wasn't i didn't particularly liked it but i mean it was fun i guess but it was just like i don't know i guess like that like other superhero film that's just there for entertainment but the snacks the Zack snyder version i am totally gonna give it a five out of five i loved it i thought it was amazing um you know this whole talk about like comparing marvel and dc i really didn't think about that going into it i just thought like this is something Zack Snyder envisioned, and this is like his art, you know? I just saw it as an art movie, and I thought it was beautifully done. I thought it was really great. Um, you know, for... If Endgame did not have that portal scene at the very end, I would say that snack side, this snack side, Zack Snyder cut is better than Endgame. Like, this movie was just really good. It exceeded any and all expectations I had, and I just really enjoyed it. I think we're all my next speechless, speechless after that. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that's, that's a good big praise coming from a Marvel fan. Yeah, man. I'm and shocked. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm shocked by both you guys. It took a second for us to like process. <laughs> like I was, I was really ready to come in here just to take jabs, like. <laughs> Look what you did, DC. <laughs> but I'm surprised at what I'm hearing. Actually, I guess I'm not totally surprised because like I feel like the sentiment overall is that a lot of people have been really enjoying it. So that's that's got that that is relieving. Uh 
to finally, I mean, okay, so let's get back to the reviews. <laughs> if you would have asked me how I would have reviewed Whedon back when it originally aired, because that was the Justice League that we got and I enjoyed it, and these are the cards that were dealt, <laughs> I would have given it a four out of five because I, I had fun with it. And now I'm an easy reviewer too, uh, and I enjoyed it. But who would have ever have thought we would get a redo? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Whoever thought that was possible Ooh, and, and, and we got it. And so now comparing the, so, okay, Snyder cut, I'm giving it a five. I mean, it's, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, we got, <laughs> we got more of a full story that it deserves. And then comparing it to Whedon now, I mean, yeah, I mean, two, one or two, I mean, there's just it, it's such a piecemeal movie compared to what Snyder was able to put together, and I said it before like it it it, it felt like I was reading and watch it felt like I was watching a comic book come to life, and like all of the all of the detail, all the references, the way everything connected, um, again more of a full story, more background and more reasons for the characters to do what they were doing and it made sense. Like <laughs> it was great. Um, no mustache gate. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought the Snyder cut was great. It felt like the fastest four hours that I had to break up into two that I've ever watched. Um, I definitely watch it again. Nice. So like it's hard. Like I think Back in 2017, I probably would have given just, I don't know, I guess maybe a, a two out of five. Like, I enjoyed it. Watching it again, though, I I kind of want to bring that down to, like, a one. Like, just because you see the two different versions of the movie, and after watching the much better version, it just makes the Whedon cut all the more worse, and, and you see more of the flaws that went into this movie. And, of course, with everything we've been hearing about Joss Whedon lately... Um, everything about that movie seems to just have this like stink to it in a way. Um, but I think with everything that's happened with Zack Snyder, all this wonderful praise and the fact that it's everything, it's this big redemption story to with, with this movie and this cut of the movie that, um, like it's, it, it, it sometimes it's kind of hard for me to like really like place a number because I have that like previous like love of the Justice League I grew up and like there are some flaws I think I see like I'll probably end up just giving it a four um there are a couple things that didn't work for me uh or, like I guess maybe the lowest lane scenes I thought kind of dragged it dragged the movie down um for example but um I find that a lot of a lot of it is largely forgivable. I guess one, cause I'm watching it at home on a streaming service and two, because of that backstory, it, it just, there's, it, it's a much more uplifting movie in, in that sense, as well as the movie feels like a moment of clarity. You really see all the pieces of the DC universe and you see where Zack Snyder originally wanted to take all these characters and the way he built up these characters and how like you see the arcs of, um, Batman, Cyborg, The Flash, like, and um, as well as like teasing Darkseid and the way you see the movie set up, it's kind of like ah, ah, I get it now. 
and that's just really wonderful to see. Like, um, so I'll go. I guess I'll go. I'll I'll go what I said before. One out of five for the the Justice League, and four out of five for uh, the Snyder Cut. But of course, uh, time will tell. Time will tell. Of course, uh, to see how those numbers change, and so. I guess, I guess uh, going off of that, I, I I have a couple more questions. I know we're probably running a little long here, so okay. um, four hours long. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, there's so much to talk about with this movie. I think, and that's that's actually one of the great things about it is that there's just there's a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss. Yeah, but um, I guess with all this positive buzz, and even though um, I think you mentioned or earlier, Perfero, that Zack Snyder is stepping away. Uh, from the DCU, he he feels he's he's done with it, and I think it's probably. I'm not sure what's going on with the actors. I know many of the actors have said they're stepping away, but I think um, a couple are actually joining back on for small movie for for roles. Um, but what do you guys think is next for DC? And um, actually, I guess another question is. What do you think the do you think the Snyder film or the Snyder cut is going to change the landscape of film at all? I know that's what a lot of a lot of that cult of Snyder has definitely been like talking about, and I think with a four hour movie getting this much hype, do you think that'll happen again? I guess that's I mean, two very different questions. So yeah, uh, I think it's been done. I mean, Lucasfilm, how many times did he remaster Star Wars? Um, yeah. But I think the Snyder cut was on a much grander scale with like a completely different movie i don't know i mean i guess there's some comfort in there knowing that like if everyone hates your movie you have another shot at making it again (laughs) that's what i was thinking that um the fanboys of the world are going to be more empowered than ever you know um yeah you know you know, like comic geeks like us are very opinionated, very vocal, but uh, man, this whole endeavor took that to a whole nother level, right? Like through an internet hashtag, a four hour movie was born, (laughs) you know, like that's power, man. That is like legit power. So I have a feeling, um, we're going to hear a lot more from the fans, you know, we already hear a lot, right? Fan theories and complaints, you name it. We're just going to hear a lot more. I think, I think that's what's next. I really do. I mean, I think, you know, what Henry alluded to, um, it could be a good thing that like, yeah, we get like a masterpiece like the Snyder cut, but it could be very much be like toxic. You know, like fans just complain, you know, like, like redo the Star Wars trilogy that Disney put out there and everything. Don't make that canon. Um, You know, it's just kind of like everybody's got an opinion. Everybody wants to have a voice, especially like online now. Um, So it could be good. It could be bad. I don't know. Yeah, that's just my take. I'm. I think the next thing I'm excited for is the the inevitable reset button that I think Flashpoint is going to be pushing. Um, I'm curious to see 
if they're going to make a more cohesive like universe i'm curious i mean i think there's already characters that have already i mean there's characters that have already been recast um but it's gonna i feel like it's gonna be sort of uncharted territory with that where they can basically say hey remember all those movies that you saw in the past well we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna flip the switch here and uh we're gonna really throw it at you guys (laughs) yeah i would say um yeah, like what you're saying, Perfirio, there's there's a dangerous element there. Like it sets a dangerous precedent that that uh, angry fans can can make things happen like this. Uh, but at the same time, kind of like what I was saying, um, you know, I hope uh, Warner Brothers sees that you know a, a movie like this, which isn't trying to be like Marvel or like anyone else, really. Um, and movies like Joker, which you know are, you know, like again, not not part of this shared universe, just trying to make a good movie. Um, I hope that's kind of a lesson, you know, like um, you don't have to copy what other people are doing, right? If you kind of stick to your guns and follow through with a vision, uh, then you know, good things can happen. So. Um, what's next uh, who's to know like with with warner brothers the way they've handled dc it's it's so like inconsistent and very kind of reactive to you know what works what doesn't work and like following trends and stuff it, it's hard to say um but yeah i hope they take the positives out of this and and use them well because you know they, they can look at this and, and and see that oh like well you know taking risks and kind of following through with an original plan can, can pay off. Right. So good things can happen. I don't know where DC is going to go from here. I do obviously see a thing like, you know, like, would you say every near that flash, the flash movie is going to be the restart button. And, you know, as a huge Marvel fan, I just hope that DC fans can find enjoyment for future films. And I could too, hopefully. Yeah, I, I had the feeling that there might be a bittersweet quality here because Zack Snyder said, like, this is it. You know, we're not going to do Justice League 2 or whatever. Um, but in my mind, like, I have a feeling like this movie will lead to other things because too many people are talking about it and there's so much positivity um, that something is going to follow up. There's going to be some sort of follow-up, I think. Uh, it's so, gonna, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I feel like it's going to have uh, definitely like a, an effect like with studio control over future films. You it know? could. I could see that. And just like like having like more creative control with the directors. Um, you know, I just see like directors and studios just like having like some kind of like uh, seeing this just like showed like um i don't know like drawing the line between like business and uh creative control yeah definitely hey real quick um before we wrap up i thought it was extremely cool how Zack snyder essentially dedicated the movie to his daughter autumn um uh, christian you mentioned this but yeah his his daughter committed suicide and that was really the reason why he left the project in the first place, right? 
And to see her name at the end of the movie, it really melted my heart, man. I really got pretty emotional, you know. Um, that had to have been like a really terrible tragedy for that family, you know. And to see, you know, this successful project come to fruition, it's pretty cool, you know, like, um, you know, I like to take my jabs at, at DC here and there, um, but like as a, as a human, like this is, this is a pretty nice story, you know, um, there's like redemption going on and there's gotta be a, a pretty nice, like cathartic feeling for Zack Snyder, right? Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy for him and for, for what he had to go through, like good for him, you know, good for him that he was able to, to get this done. Really fast. I, w I just really want to say like going off what you're saying, Henry, um, you know, if you keep watching the credits, the Hallelujah song plays, and apparently it was Autumn's favorite song. So, oh, yeah. Oh, huh. I heard about so, that. Yeah, yeah, so it was just, I thought it was just really, yeah, like what you said here, it's really beautiful that Zack Snyder kind of like, yeah, dedicated this film to his daughter and whether or not you like the movie or not, just like appreciated that this was an art project that was just like beautifully done by someone who had a vision. A lot of people want to see it come true. And that's ultimately what this film is. You know, it kind of represents like that, like, um, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but it, it just, it's, it feels like it represents more than just like a film, you know? If, if you guys ever do get the opportunity to watch it again or have the energy to do so, there's a lot of cool details in there. Like one example, and it's so minuscule. Do you remember that scene with Cyborg? He was following a woman who was hitting hard times and he was kind of following her path and he decided to just give her money to help her out. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. They show her name and her name is an actual, she, she, she actually becomes a villain in the comics but it's such an obscure, <laughs> like deep cut character. He could have just put a random name in there, but he took a character from the comics and put it. So that level of detail is 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 sewn throughout the entire film. So I, I think it'd be fun to watch it again and, and try and find those little Easter eggs. Interesting it stuff. Is, it is worth it, yeah. There definitely is a love of the craft here. Say what you will, yeah, about Zack Snyder um, and like it's really nice to see him have his moment in a way and the justice league have their moment like yeah it makes it makes it that much more satisfying and that much more uplifting and you really do see i guess in a way the power of film yeah very cool with that i think we can wrap up the episode this is farewell from henry christian Perfurio and Rainier.